Welcome back to Dr. Balaga's God Knowledge Talk podcast for physicians. This podcast will be discussing the Global Initiative for Asthma GINA's updated management guidelines for asthma in 2019. For the first time, these guidelines recommended that every patient should be treated with inhaled corticosteroids taken as needed or daily. This is a stark, stark contrast to previous guidelines that recommended short-acting beta agonists as rescue medications for mild intermittent asthma without any inhaled corticosteroid. Asthma is highly prevalent and sometimes deadly, especially in uh, certain at-risk groups. It affects 300 million people worldwide and 25 million people in the U.S., that's about 7.7% of the population, according to the CDC. But it affects certain subgroups disproportionately, as follows. Women more than men, 9.8% versus 5.5%. Non-Hispanic black people, 9.6%. More than non-Hispanic white people who have 8.2%. And Hispanics with 6%. Individuals with low incomes, that is less than 100% poverty level, have a prevalence of 10.8% compared to those with high incomes, that is 450% of poverty level have a prevalence of 6.5%. Mortality rates reflect and sometimes amplify this disparity in prevalence. In 2018, more than 3,400 deaths due to asthma were reported with the rates of 21.8 per a million in black people, 9.5% per million in, in, in the white population, and 6.3 per million in Hispanic. Women died at the rate of 15.3 per 1 million and men 10.2 per 1 million. In 2018, 43% of the adults with asthma reported of having at least one attack in the previous year. The key takeaway from this podcast is that the GINA 2019 no longer recommends treating adults and adolescents with asthma with short-acting bronchodilators alone. Instead, they should receive symptom-driven in mild asthma or a daily corticosteroid-containing inhaler to reduce the risk of severe exacerbations. For safety, GINA no longer recommends short-acting beta agonists as only therapy for step one. This decision was based on evidence that short-acting beta agonists only treatment increases the risk of severe exacerbations and that adding any inhaled corticosteroids significantly reduces the risk. These guidelines now recommend that all adults and adolescents with asthma should receive inhaled corticosteroid containing controller treatment to reduce the risk of serious exacerbations. The inhaled corticosteroids can be delivered by regular daily treatment or in mild asthma by as needed low dose inhaled corticosteroid formoterol combination. This is a population-level risk reduction strategy, similar to using statins and antihypertensives 
in the at-risk population. Individual patients may not necessarily experience or be aware of short-term clinical benefit. The aim is to reduce the probability of serious adverse outcomes at a population level. The five steps in the management of asthma include first step one, patients with symptoms occurring less than twice a month and who have no risk factors for exacerbation such as major environmental exposure, socioeconomic problem or severely decreased lung function should be managed with either of the following regimen and this level of evidence is B that is limited data including small randomized controlled trials and meta-analysis. Step 1 recommendation an inhaled corticosteroid plus a long-acting beta agonist example budesonide for motorol in low doses as needed or an inhaled corticosteroid and a short-acting beta agonist in low doses to be used together as needed. The former is recommended as an alternative to traditional reliever therapy with short-acting beta agonists but the cost is often a barrier. Physicians should consider the cost when determining the treatment plan. Formoterol is the only long-acting beta agonist that is recommended to be used as a reliever owing to its rapid bronchodilator action. Step 2. Patient with symptoms occurring twice a month or more should be managed with either of the following regimen. The level of evidence is A, that is ample data based on appropriate randomized trials, including an inhaled corticosteroid plus a long-acting beta agonist combination, low doses as needed, or an inhaled corticosteroid in low doses daily plus either one of these for rescue, that is a low-dose nail corticosteroid, long-acting beta agonist, or a, a short-acting beta agonist as needed. Outcomes are similar with either the daily or as-needed strategy. For mild disease, so patient preference should be considered, as well as the likelihood of adherence to daily treatment. Compared with patients with mild asthma or treated with as-needed short-acting beta agonist monotherapy, those treated with daily low-dose inhaled corticosteroid had half as many severe exacerbations, while those receiving as-needed low-dose inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist therapy had a 64% reduction in study. Other studies have sh showed as needed low dose inhaled corticosteroid long acting beta agonist therapy combination to be non inferior to daily inhaled corticosteroid use for reducing severe exacerbations and exercise induced bronchoconstriction. As needed inhaled corticosteroid long acting beta agonist treatment, however, is inferior to daily inhaled corticosteroid therapy for symptom control. In step 2, the clinician can also consider adding a leukotriene receptor antagonist. Step 3 is in patients who have symptoms present most days and who are waking up due to asthma at least once a week and they should be managed with the following reg regimen, level of evidence A, that is 
daily low dose inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta combination plus as needed combined low dose inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist or a short-acting beta agonist. The first option uses inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist combination as a controller and reliever. For asthma that is uncontrolled on daily low-dose inhaled corticosteroid, the combination of daily low-dose inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist leads to a 20% reduction in exacerbations and better lung function. For patients with at least one exacerbation in the previous year, maintenance and reliever treatment with low-dose inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist is more effective than maintenance inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist combination with as-needed short-acting beta agonist in reducing severe exacerbations with similar symptom control. Another option for patients with uncontrolled symptoms on daily low-dose inhaled corticosteroid is to increase it to a medium dose but this is less effective than, add, act, than adding a daily long-acting beta agonist. The level of evidence is A. Again, the clinician may consider uh, may consider leukotriene receptor antagonist for these patients, for which the level of evidence is A. Step 4 is for patients with persistent symptoms despite adherence to step 3 therapy. That is, in these patients, manage with daily medium dose inhaled corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist combination plus as needed short-acting beta agonist level of evidence B. Consider daily high dose inhaled corticosteroids leukotriene receptor antagonist and long-acting muscarinic antagonist if the asthma remains uncontrolled Referral to an asthma specialist should be considered. Step 5 is for patients with severe uncontrolled asthma. That is those whose asthma remains uncontrolled despite adherence to high dose nail corticosteroid long-acting beta agonist uh, combination and leukotriene receptor agonist antagonist therapy. In these patients consider adding long-acting muscarinic antagonist maintenance therapy. Referral to an asthma specialist. Patients should be evaluated for biologic therapy, that is, a targeted control therapy that is prescribed by asthma specialists. Comprehensive management of asthma will include smoking cessation, possibly a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, counseling regarding symptoms of anxiety and depression, which can worsen symptom control in asthma and the importance of medication adherence and a focus on the quality of life in such patients. The 2019 GINA guidelines also discuss the asthma COPD overlap syndrome because this syndrome is common particularly in older patients and those who smoke. It's characterized by persistent airflow limitation on peak flow or spirometry and has features of both asthma and COPD. It's regarded not as a single entity but as a syndrome that includes several forms of airway disease caused by a range of poorly understood mechanisms. This overlap syndrome has its own challenges. Patients experience frequent exacerbations 
and tend to have a poor quality of life. The lung function tends to decline more rapidly. The symptoms are more refractory to therapy and the mortality rate is higher and they tend to use healthcare disproportionately more than those with just asthma or COPD alone. The exact prevalence of this overlap syndrome is difficult to estimate because of its heterogeneous nature, but it's estimated to be between 1.1% and 4.5% in the general population and up to 27 to 33% in patients with asthma and COPD respectively. The GINA 2019 recommends treating this asthma COPD overlap syndrome with low or medium dose inhaled corticosteroids and adding a long-acting beta agonist or a long-acting muscarinic antagonist or both uh, as needed to control symptoms. This recommendation emphasizes the importance of inhaled corticosteroid in patients with features of asthma. It is reasonable for patients with refractory symptoms to be treated with triple therapy that is an inhaled corticosteroid plus a long-acting beta agonist, plus a long-acting muscarinic antagonist. One small study showed improved lung function in patients with asthma COPD overlap when a long-acting muscarinic antagonist was added to the combination of inhaled corticosteroid and long-acting beta agonist. More research is needed to determine the role of biologics phosphodiesterase 4 inhibitors and macrolids. Current recommendations for these are mainly based on expert opinion and not on outcome data. In this overlap syndrome, risk factors and comorbidities should be addressed and treated. Medication adherence should be monitored. Patients should be encouraged to exercise regularly, attend pulmonary rehab and use oxygen when indicated and receive proper prophylactic vaccinations. Referral to a specialist is recommended for the initial recognition and treatment of this asthma COPD overlap syndrome. Other changes in GINA 2020, acute asthma, References to high flow oxygen have been corrected to high concentration oxygen. The role of trained lay health workers in asthma education has been emphasized because improved outcomes compared with usual care with in increased symptom-free days, reduced healthcare utilization, improved adherence, inhaler technique, symptom control, and quality of life. When pertaining to factors contributing to development of asthma, the document suggests that obesity may be a risk factor for developing asthma, but not vice versa. In addition, 13% of global asthma incidents in children may be attributable to traffic-related air pollution. In view of COVID, GINA recommends that patients with asthma should be advised to take their prescribed asthma medications, particularly inhaled corticosteroids and oral corticosteroids, if prescribed, make sure that all patients have a written asthma action plan 
with instructions about increasing controller and reliever medication when asthma worsens, with instructions regarding taking a short course of oral corticosteroids for severe asthma exacerbation, and when to seek medical help. This guideline document also recommends avoid nebulizers when possible because nebulizers increase the risk of disseminating the virus to other patients and to healthcare professionals. Pressurized meter dose inhaler via spacer's preferred treatment during severe asthma. It also recommends to avoid spirometry in patients with confirmed or suspected COVID-19 because spirometry can disseminate viral particles and expose staff or patients to the risk of infection. While community transmission of the virus is occurring, spirometry should be postponed and peak flow measurement within healthcare facilities delayed unless there is an urgent need. It's important to follow contact and droplet precautions. In addition, the guideline recommends following strict infection control procedures if aerosol generating procedures are needed. For example, nebulization, oxygen therapy, including using nasal prongs, sputum induction, manual ventilation, and non-invasive ventilation and intubation. It recommends following local health advice about our hygiene strategies, the use of PPE, depending on the information av available in your region or country.